Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter number three, and we're going to finish up chapter number three in our study through the book of Colossians this morning. I'm thankful that we have a place where we can come and worship God. Amen? A place, let me say that again. I'm thankful for a place that we can come and worship God. It's a little bit better. Um, I'm thankful that we can come and, and meet with God that his presence is here. Um, I, last night, my youngest son, Hunter, was crying and uh, he wanted to go to church, throwing a fit because he wanted to go to church on a Saturday night. And uh, Teal told him, listen, we cannot go to church tonight. There's nobody there at church. And Hunter, as he had tears flowing down his eyes, looked at her and said, mama, God is there. And I thought that was amazing. Um, and so it is good to be in where God is. Amen. And uh, his presence is here um, at the church. Uh, let me encourage you, if you did receive uh, the um, on the back connect tables, uh, a paper that shares all of the events that we have coming up here in the month of April. If you did not get one of those, uh, go by the connect tables and get one of those so you know what's going on uh, here at Fellowship Baptist Church through the month of April. And then also on the back is a reading schedule. Uh, I believe we went through Matthew 1 and 2 uh, over these last couple days. And then today uh, is an open day uh, for that. But in the Bible reading schedule, let me ask this. If you've been, just to see if you've been uh, reading and following along with that. um, In Matthew chapter number 1, who begat Ezekias? Anybody? Who begat Ezekias? Oh, come on, y'all. It, it's Manassas, right? Manassas. All right, that was just a joke. There's a lot of begats there. So, but it, be following along in our reading as we read the Bible, the Word of God together. Colossians chapter number three is where we're going to be uh, this morning. And we're going to start in verse number 17. The Bible says this, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father, by him. This next verse, I've been waiting a long time to preach this verse. And I want all of us to see it. Verse number 18. It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And we're going to have the invitation uh, this morning. Uh, that's all we need to receive from the Word of God uh, this morning. But no, I'm just joking. I have a lot of jokes this morning. What is up with me? Um, but I'm just kidding. We're going to keep moving on with what the Word of God has to say. Verse number 17, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. I'm supposed to get a lot of amens from men there. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong 
which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Masters, chapter 4, verse number 1, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. I want to preach on this subject this morning, our Christ-honoring roles. Our Christ-honoring roles. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We are so grateful and so thankful for your mercy and your grace. Uh, it, it truly is new each and every day. Your mercy endureth to all generations. God, as we've come to you in prayer this morning for the many that are hurting and sick in our church, those that are recovering, God, we ask a special uh, touch upon them. Lord, we ask most importantly for your will to be done in each of those requests. Lord, as we get into your word today and as we see the roles that Jesus, that, that God gives us when it comes to our family, when it comes to relationships. God, that you would help us not to look at one another and their role, but to focus on our own personal roles that have been given to us by God. And Father, help them, help us to fulfill the Christ-honoring roles that you have given to each and every one of us. Father, I pray that you would be with me this morning. I need you. I ask for your Holy Spirit's power and God, that, that you would help me to say only what you would have me to say, and nothing else. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that our hearts are open and ready to receive your word. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. We find here in the book of Colossians, chapter number one and chapter number two, it really, Paul uh, lays out for us who Christ is to us. And it just uh, paints a beautiful picture that Christ is our sufficiency. Amen. And, and Christ is, is to be preeminent, the preeminent one in all things. He goes on to say that we are complete in Christ. In chapters one and two, it just lays out a beautiful picture of who Christ is to the believer. In chapter number three, he, he then begins to make application for us and, and who we are in Christ. Chapter three starts off with telling us that, hey, we have been raised with Christ, amen? We've been raised with Christ. We have died to sin with Christ. And now we are a, a part of, of his family. We are chosen by God. We are a part of his, his family. And now we are to do everything in the name of Christ. Verse 17 tells us, do all things in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, in word or deed. Listen, Paul shows us that our our new position that we have in Christ not only should change us individually, but it should also change our homes. Our new, new position in, in Christ should also change our relationships. And in this section, Paul addresses our separate God-given roles. And he deals with the home primarily. Let me just say this. You know, God orchestrated the family, the home. He established it. He knows what role we are to take within the family. Amen? He's the one that established it. And so we can't look at these roles and say, well, I don't want to fit that role. Right? No, it's been given to us by God. And we are to, he knows how a proper family should operate. A proper home should operate. A proper relationship should operate. And so we find here that, that God, understand, he founded the first institution that he founded on earth was the home. 
And as goes the home, goes society, goes the nation. One of the greatest things that we can do as individuals with our new position in Christ is to help build godly homes. Paul addresses the roles of each member of the family has. And he points out the factors that make for a strong and godly home. But understand here that he prefaces our roles with verse number 17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why are we to do and fulfill these roles? Because we represent Christ. We represent Christ. We are to do all things in his name. So I want us to look at these roles, these these Christ-honoring, God-given roles that we have. First of all, I want us to see the roles of the husbands and wives. The husbands and wives. Look at verse number 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Now we must, first of all, not think of submission here as slavery. Not what he's saying, right? It's not that he's speaking of uh, uh, subjugation. This command does not address a woman's intrinsic worth as a person and a child of God. You see, a wife is equal in value to her husband. Uh, Someone once said this, uh, Tony Evans says this, a wife's submission has to do with function, not value. Just as Jesus Christ is functionally subordinate to the Father, yet equal with the Father, so a wife is functionally subordinate to her husband, yet equal to him. It is fitting in the Lord, the Bible says that a wife should defer to her husband's authority. You see, God, he does all things decently and in order. Amen? The things that he lays out, he does decently and in order. You understand, if God did not have a chain of command in society, we would have chaos. The fact that the woman is to submit to her husband does not suggest that the man is better than the woman. That's not what what Paul is trying to say here. What it does mean is that the man has the responsibility of headship and leadership within the home. There's no getting around that. That's what what God has laid out. That That is the role that he has given to the wife and to the husband. But let me say this, headship is not dictatorship, men. Headship is not a lordship. It is a loving leadership. It is a loving leadership. In fact, both the husband and the wife must be submitted to Christ and to each other, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 21. So true spiritual submission is the secret of growth and and fulfillment for a wife. You understand that when a Christian woman is submitted to the Lord and to her own husband, she experiences a fulfillment that she can't have in any other way. How do we know? Because the Bible lays it out for us. You see, this mutual love and submission creates an atmosphere of growth within the home. It enables both the husband and the wife to become all that God has made them and created them to be. And so he says, wives, submit unto your husbands. But I want you to see this part in verse number 18. He says, as it is fit in the Lord. As it is fit in in the Lord. That is, listen, she is not obligated to follow her husband's leadership if it goes against 
God and his word. As it is fit in the Lord. You see, while it is true that in Jesus Christ there is neither male nor female, it is also true that joyful submission to her husband is an evidence that the wife belongs to Jesus Christ. I don't have too many wives mad at me this morning, do I? Listen, wives are to submit themselves to the headship of the husband, the leadership of the husband, as it is fit in the Lord. But he goes on to say, all right, oh, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that's over, right? No. Then he moves on to the husbands. The husbands, verse number 19, what does the Bible say? It says, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Husbands, let me say this. You have the responsibility of loving your wife. The word for love here used is is agape. This is a sacrificing, serving love that Christ shares with the church. You see, a marriage may begin with a normal human type love, but it must grow deeper into a spiritual agape love that only comes from God. In a parallel passage to this passage of scripture, Ephesians 5.18, Paul makes it very clear that the husband must love his wife even as Christ loved the church. Wow, that's a responsibility. Even as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself for the church. He gave his all. He laid his life down for us. Willing to go to the cross for us. You see, the measure of a man's love for his wife is not seen only in gifts or words. And my wife might have something to say about that but also in acts of sacrifice and concern for her happiness and well-being. Love, husbands, love your wives. Paul added a special word of warning for the husbands. He says, and be not bitter against them. Husbands, be careful not to harbor bitterness towards your wife in your heart. For something that they didn't do or for something that they did do, be careful with harboring bitterness. Because understand, a root of bitterness in a home can poison a marriage relationship. A root of bitterness within a home can, can uh, uh, allow Satan to have a foothold in, within that marriage. Husbands, love your wives and, and do not become bitter towards them. You see, the Christian husband and wife must be open and honest with each other and not hide their feelings or lie to one another. You know, the Bible says, let not your, the sun go down upon your wrath. Let me encourage you in our marriages, husbands, wives, don't become bitter at one another. Before you lay your head on that pillow, before you go to sleep that night, you make sure you take care of the issues within the home. You make sure you take care of that bitterness because that, that bitterness can become a cancer within your marriage. See, the Christian husband must be honest and open and love her wife, his wife. Listen, a husband who, who truly loves his wife will not behave harshly or try to throw his weight around in the home. Sometimes we take that verse, verse number 18. Woman, you're supposed to submit to me, so go get me a glass of water. Right? That's not what, what, what the Bible's talking about here. 
That's not what the Bible is talking about in this passage of scripture. No, we are to love them with a biblical love. The Bible says about love, it says charity suffereth long in his kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. That's the type of love we are to share and show our wives. Let me say this. A wife doesn't have a hard time submitting to a husband who truly loves her. And that's how the word of God works. That's how it's laid out. A wife doesn't have a hard time submitting to a husband who truly loves her. Why? Because she knows that that he seeks the very best for her and that he's willing to do anything to keep her safe. You see, the husband's love for his wife is seen in his sacrifice for her. The wife's love for her husband is seen in her submission to him. And when there's sacrifice and, and there's submission in the atmosphere of love, you will have a happy foundation. You'll have a happy home. You see, a happy marriage does not come automatically. I've been married for, for 10 years now. Some of you are probably thinking, wow, you've you got a long way to go. But 10 years. And this thing of love and submission didn't just happen automatically. We are to grow in this. It's part of our sanctification as a believer, a part of our sanctification as, as a new creature in Christ. We are to work at this continually. And as we walk with Christ in submission to him, we have no problem submitting to one another, serving one another, loving one another. So where do we get the power to love and to submit? It's from Christ right? We are raised with Christ. We are to be killing sin as we talked about a few weeks ago. We are then to clothe ourselves and have a hearts filled with the peace of Christ and with the word of Christ. And then we will contribute to the joy and the harmony of the home. You see, if we live to please Christ first, others second, and ourselves last, that's going to go a long way in building a healthy relationship and building a healthy marriage. So God gives us these roles. And and as as Paul says, listen, let everything that you do in word or deed, everything that you do, do in the name of Christ. And then he leads right into our roles. Why do we do these things? Because we represent him. Wives, submit unto your husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Don't become bitter against them. But then we see the second role, the the roles that we see is children and parents. Now, we don't have a lot of children in here today, so we're we're not going to really dive into that and and, and, uh, expound upon that. But I want us to see verse number 20. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. You know, people in our country today are making a big deal about children's rights. It's happening all all, all across the nation. And I understand children, I do believe children have rights. I believe the most important right that a child has is the right to be born. It's one of the things that we don't bring up a lot when we talk about rights of children. They have the right to be born. But I also see that in this passage of Scripture, also children, uh, they have been given a God-given responsibility, and that is to obey their parents in all things. Obey their parents in all things. 
And what's that motivated by? It pleases the Lord. It is well-pleasing to the Lord. Parents, listen, you have to understand that your children need to obey you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. But I I wanna move on to verse number 21. Focus on, on parents this morning. Verse number 21, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. That word fathers here could be translated also parents as it is in Hebrews eleven twenty three, 23. Paul made it very clear that parents must make it as easy as possible for children to obey. Provoke not your children. That is a command of God for parents. Provoke not your children to anger. Why? Lest they be discouraged. You know, I think one of the big problems in Christian homes is that we have a lot of discouraged children and when they leave the house, they don't want anything to do with God. They don't want anything to do with church because we don't raise them in the right way. Listen, fathers and mothers should encourage their children. We should encourage our kids, not discourage them. One of the most important things that a parent can do is to spend time with their children. You know how important it is for a child to see that no matter how busy mom and dad are, they're going to take time and they're going to make time to spend with them. How important it is for parents to spend time with their children. Parents also need to listen and be patient as their children talk to them. You see, a a listening ear and a loving heart always go together. There was one girl who said this to her dad once she moved out of the house. She said, you took the time to have me, but you wouldn't take the time to listen. How sad that is. Listen, life is not easy for children, especially in the world that we live in today. It's not easy for them in in this world. And, And their problems that might seem so small to us are big to them. And we must listen to them. We must pray with them. We must encourage them. Because listen, our homes ought to be the happiest place on earth for our children. It should be a place of encouragement. It should be a place of of edification. See, discouraged children are easy prey for Satan in the world. Discouraged children are easy prey for Satan. You understand, if if our kids are not finding encouragement within our homes, they're going to start seeking for it somewhere else. They're going to start looking for encouragement somewhere else. See, if a home is truly Christ-honoring, it is a place of encouragement. In an encouraging home, the child finds refuge from battles and strength to fight the battles and to carry their burdens as they grow. You see, in a Christ-honoring home, a child finds a loving heart, a a watching eye, a listening ear, and a helpful hand. Listen, our children, they should should not want to leave our house. Amen? They should want to live with mom and dad. Well, I don't know about that. All of those with kids out of the house, you're saying, whoa, whoa, no. But listen, it should be a a place of encouragement. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. We find the roles of our husbands and and of our wives. But then lastly, I want us to see masters and servants. Look at verse number 22. The Bible says this, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service 
as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Here, Paul is exhorting servants to obey their earthly masters. He says that this obedience is to be with a singleness of heart, not simply when their masters are are watching them or, or to win their favor, but he says that we are to work with reverence and fear for the Lord. In verse number 23, he says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Servants are to serve their masters as if they were serving God, not men. This section of servants and masters, it might appear to be out of date for us in our modern society. But I believe that there are principles in this passage that that this admonition to work hard as though one was working for God and not for people, it applies for us as employees. It is a a, a type of attitude that we should live with as, as new creatures in Christ. In verse number 24, he goes on to say, knowing that of the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Understand it is the Lord Christ whom all Christians are serving. Wherever you work at your workplace, you're serving the Lord there. Whoever you're serving in the world today, you're serving the Lord. And we must understand that, that our motivation, the inheritance as our reward is a strong motivation. To serve someone well by the future reward that Christ is going to give to those who are faithful in his service. Listen, serve others as if you are serving God. And then look at verse number 25. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Paul saying, listen, God will judge without favoritism. That is that in full justice, he will repay wrongdoers and reward those who serve him. We normally think of eternal rewards as spiritual practices like reading our Bibles and and praying or evangelism. But here Paul says that all work done to honor Christ will bring an eternal reward. Everything that we do to honor Christ will bring an eternal reward. In verses 22 through 25, Paul makes numerous points about the motives, attitudes, and conduct of Christian employees. Listen, church, be a Christ-honoring employee. Amen? Be a Christ-honoring employee. Why? Because you represent him. You represent him. This series of admonitions is actually a practical application of Colossians 3.17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see, Jesus Christ is our motivation for fulfilling these roles. Amen? Jesus Christ is our motivation for fulfilling these roles. And understand, if he is preeminent in our lives, then he, then we will love each other. We will submit to each other. We will obey and we will treat one another fairly in the Lord. What place does he have in your heart? Listen, we are raised with Christ. We are a new creature. So we should fulfill these roles that he has given us. I'll close with this. We do these things for for a few different reasons. We do what we do. We fulfill these roles for him, amen? To honor him, to bring glory to him. You understand when when a home operates this way, God gets the glory. 
when the wife submits and the husband loves, leads with love and in love, and, and the parents provoke not their children, but they are a pl- it's a place of encouragement. Everything, all of those things, when we complete and fulfill our roles in Christ, then understand he gets the glory. We do these things and we fulfill these things for him, but also we are to do these things like him. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He is our pattern. He is the one that we look to. We also represent him. We do these things to him. In Matthew 25, 40, he says, and I'm paraphrasing, the things that you do to the least of these, you do unto me. And when we do these things, and when, when I serve people, I'm serving Christ. When Peter said, Jesus went to Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And he said, well, then feed my sheep. Because if you feed my sheep, you love me. What you do for others, you're doing for me. Understand when we, when we, when we fulfill our role as a husband, when we fulfill our role as a wife and a father and an employer and an employee, we are doing it for him. We're doing it like him. We're doing it with him. And then lastly, we will stand before him one day. You understand we're all going to appear at the judgment seat of Christ. And I pray that we can all say with, the, with, with all of our might, with our most God-given ability, we strived to fulfill these roles. Because when we get to heaven, we can't say to God as he's, He's, as, as we're giving an account to God, well, God, I didn't love my wife like I should, but, but you understand, she, she, she didn't submit to me. I didn't submit to my husband because, because he didn't love me the way that he was. And God's going to say, hey, wait a minute. I'll deal with that individual next. I'm talking to you. Listen, when we do these things, we're doing it for him. We're doing it to him. And we will give an account one day. Church, let me ask you the question. Are you fulfilling the role that Christ has given you? You know, we're able to because we are a new creature. We're able to fulfill these roles because we've been raised with Christ. We died with Christ. And he's given us everything that we are able. He has given us his Holy Spirit. He has given us his word in order for us to truly fulfill these roles. Are you fulfilling your Christ honoring role? Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.